upholding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. We've signed a climate convention on the importance of economic instruments and free markets. We're included in this mammoth uh, Agenda 21 document and the Rio Declaration. Now, let me be clear on one fundamental point. Uh, the United States fully intends to be the world's preeminent leader in protecting the global environment. Coming up, Technocracy News. Welcome to Technocracy News and Trends. Patrick Wood here. I'm the editor and the founder of Technocracy.News. And I thank you for coming to listen to today's video. There's been something that's been on my mind for some time, and that's the topic of lawlessness. You're going to say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm going to try to explain it to you. It's been bugging me lately. And I don't know, you just get some of those uh, earworms or mind worms. They just kind of won't go away. You keep thinking about things. And, well, I've been thinking about lawlessness lately. Part of the reason I'm thinking about it is there's been a Bible verse that's kind of been puzzling to me for a long, long time. I mean, really going back decades. And it comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You can go read that chapter. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to do that. But... It talks about the mystery of lawlessness. And then it goes on and talks about the lawless one. And the kind of implied reference, of course, is that the lawless one represents the Antichrist, the so-called uh, impersonage of the devil himself during the Great Tribulation, the lawless one. But the mystery of lawlessness and the lawless one has just kind of always been, well, it's there, I see it, I read it, but what does it mean? The lawless one or the mystery of lawlessness. Well, I think probably the fact of the matter is lawlessness itself seems to be a mystery. It's just something you can't quite understand on the surface of it. But let me explain. The U.S. Constitution, which gives framework to our nation is based upon a concept of rule of law. And the idea is that laws come from a legislature, that is a Congress and a Senate, that create and decide on the laws of the land that will be enacted for everybody to follow. And outside of that, the idea is that everybody will follow the law equally, that there will be no two-tiered legal system that everybody will be subject to the same rules and the same laws, etc. Well, this is a good concept. It doesn't guarantee, by the way, that there will be good laws all the time. And we know for sure that there have been many bad laws passed over the uh, couple of centuries that our country has been working on this stuff. And even today, we have a lot of bad laws that Congress has passed. Nevertheless, the idea of rule of law is that the law would be applied evenly to everyone across society. And then we hope that we send good representatives to Washington, D.C. that will pass laws that are good for the people, not necessarily for the government, because the government is supposed to protect us from those things. But, okay, that's how the law works with the Constitution. 
We know today there are many people that just could care less about the Constitution of our country. It really was just a framework in which everything else would work. It kind of set the master ground rules for our society. And there's many people in our country and outside of our country that really don't like the concept of law being restrained in any way. And they don't like the idea of liberty and freedom either. We know these are enemies of the state, if you will. This is the concept of the deep state. It's the concept of the, uh, the rioters going on right now, the riots that BLM and Antifa are fomenting all around our country. We see this autonomous zone that was created up in Seattle called Chaz originally, then it called CHOP, and who knows what they're going to call it next. Maybe failed would be a good term. But there, these people have declared, we don't follow your law anymore. And basically, up in Seattle, they said, we're seceding from the United States. We're not even going to be part of it. We're going to have our own law. So in one sense, as far as the United States is concerned, uh, they became lawless. They said, we're not following your law anymore. We will have our own law. Now, somebody might suggest, well, you mean the law of the jungle? Well, that's about what it is. But nevertheless, um, they have said we're not going to follow the law of our country. This is a lawless movement. All of these protests, even though in a peaceful sense, well, those that are peaceful anyway, they have the right to protest. But when it turns violent or when it turns to the uh, direction of wanting to destroy the government of the United States, that's another story. It was never intended to be that way, that you could use the system to destroy the system and get something different that you want. Maybe you just don't like the law. You don't like to follow the law. You want to make your own law. Well, nobody can dispute at this point that there's lots of illegal behavior going on with these protests, even though some of them are constitutional and appropriate. Some of them are not. Many of them are not, especially when it destroys property. Now, we know that Congress has had a real problem in the past few years passing any kind of law. Really, they've been gridlocked. Uh, the things that they should pass, they don't, and the things that they shouldn't pass, they do. Uh, many of the laws that come to the floor in the House or the Senate are written by the people. They're written by lobbyists. They're written by lawyers who have nothing to do, really, with the senator, congressman, or congresswoman that is presenting the bill. They're coming from outside. This is also a form of lawlessness. But what's happened in our Congress in Washington is that the vacuum that they have created by not paying attention to proper law for our country, a vacuum has been created that's been filled by the one, the agency that, or the arm of government that's, that's supposed to execute the law, and that is the executive branch. Normally with agencies uh, under the executive branch, they take the laws that Congress passes and they make regulations to frame out how that's going to look in actual society. Now, the regulations themselves are not necessarily evil unless they misinterpret the law and pretend to do something else that is outside of that law. That's where the judiciary comes in. 
to declare some regulation or even some law perhaps unconstitutional or they, that's just not going to work, right? And they strike it down. This happens all the time, but it has in the past all the time. But when the executive branch finds itself in a vacuum and Congress is not producing the laws, then the executive, executive branch seems to fill the vacuum by creating executive orders and uh, rules and regulations that really have no basis in law, but they just do it because they feel it's necessary to do it. Well, that wasn't appropriate. That wasn't what the original Constitution said was the way things would be. So we have a system of increasing, of growing lawlessness in our country, even within our current government, the way the system works. I'm not pointing the finger directly at anybody at this point. In fact, I don't think I will in this particular video. You can fill in the blanks there yourself if you want, pretty easily, I think. But the idea that our own government is growing more and more lawless, in other words, operating outside of the law and outside of the Constitution that's supposed to protect us from aberrant law, we see the trickle-down effect taking place. There's an old, I think it's a Danish proverb that says something like, the fish stinks from the head down. And indeed it does. The trickle-down that we see coming out of Washington and the whole bureaucracy that's supposed to govern our country, we see this trickling down to the states. Governors and even mayors, county supervisors and so on figure, well, if there's lawlessness at the federal level, then... I guess we'll just have to do what's right down here at the local level and we'll make our own mind up on what to do. So we've seen all of these draconian executive orders being written and you know created by governors that have called for lockdown, call for everybody to wear a face masks, call for everybody to practice social distancing and thing like that. There is no law behind these things. This is the problem. There has been no statute at, uh, at the federal level, and certainly none at the state level either, where legislatures have gotten together and said, yes, we're going to create a law that everybody has to wear a face mask. Just hasn't happened. And yet that has not stopped governors and mayors and county supervisors and so on from just creating this out of thin air. Well, it used to be originally that we all followed the same laws that were made publicly visible. Everybody could discover what those laws were. And then we were graduated to kind of following the regulations. So we assumed that the regulations would be okay because there's law behind them. And then said, okay, so the government says you have to follow these regulations or you'll be fined or you'll be put in prison or whatever if you don't follow these re regulations. That's okay up to a point. But if you test those things and find out there really is no law behind it, then you have a problem. Well, now there's a new thing. There's a new layer on top of regulations and on top of law, and that's guidelines. Where the heck did guidelines come from? Guidelines are not laws. Most of the guidelines that we're laboring under right now came from organizations like the World Health Organization, which is the United Nations, and the CDC, um, or other health-related organizations in America. Guidelines are something somebody just simply thought up in a back room or a conference room where they had a consensus meeting or something. That, what are some guidelines we can make for the people? 
And once those guidelines are made, the list is made, is put at the top of it, guidelines for, and then fill in the blank, wearing face mask, preventing disease or whatever. And let's just hand those guidelines out to the governors and to the mayors and to the county supervisors and say, these are our guidelines. Of course, they say that, well, they're all voluntary, but then when they turn around and execute EOs saying, you must follow the guidelines, there's no law here. There's not even a regulation here. It's guidelines. This is so patently wrong, there's only one word I can use to describe it. Lawlessness. There is no law behind the practices that government is forcing down our throat. Now, I know a lot of people are probably going to get upset with me saying that. But you know what? At this point, I don't care. I know the history of our country, at least a little bit about it. And I know the way things are supposed to work. And this is the way they're supposed to work. Laws, perhaps, give birth to regulations, which everybody can see is published and so on, made public, and then everybody follows that. And if they, somebody breaks it, well, they get a penalty, but everybody gets the penalty equally. The law is applied equally across all of society. Today, guidelines have taken the place of law. And this is lawlessness. It means the absence of law. This is amazing that governors can mandate things like the wearing of face masks and social distancing, and it's not backed by any law whatsoever. The science behind these things that they're hiding behind is absolute pseudoscience. There's no real science behind it. In fact, the scientists and and, uh, scholars that have written papers proving, for instance, that face masks are useless as far as preventing or or, or spreading a virus, they're censored to death. I just wrote a paper a couple of weeks ago about censorship and pseudoscience. This is the way technocrats work. They float an idea, they float some kind of a concept using pseudoscience, and when real scientists say, hey, wait a minute here, you didn't calculate that right, or where's your data? We want to see you the data that you're referring to here. You need to share that with us so we can verify what you said is true. Well, a real scientist would say, no problem, man. Here's my data. Here's my algorithms. Here's everything. And that's what you get into the peer review process, you know, where everybody can look at it and replicate your results and say, yep, he read the data right. And this is a good conclusion. And you get a bunch of people that say, yep, everything checks out here. That's cool for science, for real science. Pseudoscience people just won't go for that. No, they'll, they will censor, they will shame, they will cancel, if you will, the cancel culture. They will cancel anybody that bucks their narrative. And this is happening every, all over the place with this pseudoscience versus real science. There have been many people, many excellent scholars who have raised an alarm over the face mask, social distancing, contact tracing, etc., they are simply swept off to the off the carpet altogether. People are calling them idiots. In fact, you'll get a kick out of this. The article that Dr. Russell Blaylock wrote for Technocracy News, dealing with face math. I had an MD or a PhD rather write me uh, a rather nasty, blunt email and called Russell Blaylock an idiot. 
and it, that he's going to he's going to be responsible for the death of many people because of the article he wrote. That's a scientific debate today. I'm sorry. You just can't call somebody an idiot or a jerk or a moron or whatever. But that's shaming. It's bullying. I think of all the the rhetoric that's been given in the last few years about bullying and schools and stuff. Where organizations were started to clamp down on bullying and, and don't bully your you know your desk mate or somebody sitting next to you or whatever. Well, it's this, this has just gone through society now like a wildfire, and everybody wants to bully everybody else. This is lawlessness. There's not even any discussion anymore. It's what people believe. You see, if one person believes that Russ, Dr. Blaylock is an idiot, he's got no reason to believe that. But if he thinks he has the right to harm the reputation of somebody like, a, like Russell Blaylock, he's an eminent neurosurgeon, Retired now, but he had a great, but brilliant career. If somebody just wants to slander him and, and you know, uh, blaspheme him or whatever, call him names and and uh, try and discredit his science career and life work, that's not right. That's lawlessness. A person that does that, all of a sudden, has decided that they're above the law and that they will act in any darn way they please. That's very dangerous to society, isn't it? We see this working its way all the way through society, and it's not a good thing. You know, <clears throat> President Rodrigo Duterte of the Philippines is kind of the epitome of lawlessness, and he has been for some time, ever since he was elected, quote-unquote, elected. But uh, President Duterte said in a speech the other day, which I listened to and about dropped my jaw, he speaks kind of a... He speaks when, or I should say, when he speaks, he speaks in Filipino, but he also speaks in English. So it's kind of a back and forth. Uh, he'll say something perhaps in Filipino language, and then he'll say it's kind of repeated in English, so you can understand what he's saying. And there, there are a lot of English speakers in the Philippines. But he had the ultimate answer for uh, quarantine because he'd call for a quarantine on uh, for people on the um, coronavirus, uh, COVID nineteen. His answer is, if you break my quarantine, and again, there's no science behind it, but he says, if you break my quarantine, uh, we will shoot them dead. Just, oh, you mean if I'm walking around outside after you told me to stay in my house and uh, hmm, I get caught and your army or your police or whatever come by, the remedy is shoot them dead. That'll take care of it. That'll make sure they follow my law. See, that's not the law of the people. That's just what Duterte said. He said, you will stay inside. You will obey what I say. And if you don't, we'll just shoot you dead. That's kind of the extreme or the extremity of lawlessness. It's hard to get your head around it, isn't it? I want to wrap this around to technocracy. Because the trend towards lawlessness today all around the world is not by mistake. I don't believe. I believe there's a much grander plan, a greater picture that we need to take a look at. And <clears throat> technocrats, going way back to the 1930s when technocracy was originally created, 
they believed that the scientific method could be used. Of course, we know that turned out to be pseudoscience too, but they thought they could use a scientific method to run the economic system in such a way that no government was necessary. No politicians were necessary. They wanted to get rid of them all. They wanted to create an organization chart, kind of like a corporation would have today, a modern corporation, where you have a president, and then you have vice presidents, and then you have directors, and so on, and people in charge of different functions, functionality in society. They believed that their scientific system would be so complete that there would be no need whatsoever for elected politicians, and they wanted to dismiss them all. I have proof of that, by the way. I've shown it to you before. There was a book published back then that called for FDR as he was going into the first term of his presidency to simply declare himself dictator and dismiss both houses and all, you know, basically everybody, even the Supreme Court, get rid of them all. The scientists said, we've got it covered. We can run everything scientifically by algorithm, essentially. That's what we'd call it today with artificial intelligence. We could run it by algorithm. You don't need a Congress. You don't need a Senate. You don't need uh, agencies necessarily like we have today that are driven by law. You don't need a Supreme Court to uh, adjudicate, adjudicate the law and determine what's constitutional and what isn't because you won't have a constitution. You'll just have the algorithm. The algorithm will run everything. Well, what kind of law is there behind the algorithm even today? Just think of all the things today that are run by artificial intelligence. Is there any law behind it? Are there any rules behind it? Well, you say there's computer rules, true. But the artificial intelligence that's growing so rapidly around the world is essentially one big, giant, lawless system. Because they don't want anything to do with law. The people that create these algorithms want to stay as far away from the law as they possibly can. That's one reason they hate the Constitution, because the Constitution is a framework in which law could be created and executed as well. Technocrats hate that. They hate the Constitution for that very reason, that it brings law and restraint to their behavior. That's why they reject it. But as technocracy matures, what you're going to see is increasing lawlessness within society as society falls apart with no structure to guide it. When the Constitution is removed effectively, there's no structure left to guide the people, to guide the remaining government entities, the governors, the, the, the mayors, the city council, and whatsoever. And even today, you can take something to court uh, thinking, well, I've got a constitutional case here, case here, my rights have been violated, yada, yada, and you can take it to court, and the court just says, you know what, you don't have any standing here even to talk about this in court. Get out. Say, wow, what happened to my rights? What happened to my uh, equal treatment under the law? You see, it's disappearing rapidly. That's the problem. Lawlessness is coming upon us. It's the absence of law. That's what lawlessness really is. It's not just a law breaker. You say, well, a, a criminal is a law breaker. Well, that's true. If you kill somebody, you're violating somebody's law. But if there is no law, let's say there was no law against committing murder, you know it's morally wrong. 
what would you call it if somebody kills their neighbor or kills somebody? Well, you say, well, there, hmm, there is a moral law after all, I guess, you know? It's not right to kill somebody. Well, that's a law. Moral law is a valid concept. In fact, the framers of the Constitution said that our Constitutional Republic was made for a moral people. So morality is a form of law, if you will, because it's your conscience that guides you and there are certain things that are just out of bounds, morally speaking. Murder and killing people is one of them, for sure. There's others, like lying. Go back and look at the Ten Commandments, for instance. That's pretty clear. There's ten of them. It wasn't called the Ten Suggestions. It was called the Ten Commandments. They're also constraining, you see. They're constraining factors to control behavior of people in societies. As that degrades and as people throw the Bible out, as they have, for instance, in schools now many years ago, lawlessness just automatically seems to rise up out of that. And that's exactly what's happened. Technocracy is the epitome of lawlessness. And as it gets more seated as time goes on into society, and this is the great coup going on right now, I believe. I've said this before. This is the coup d'etat of technocrats right now. The great panic of 2020, driven by the COVID hysteria, which is way beyond the actual physical threat, I believe, of the virus. It's real enough, but that's not the point. It's not real enough to be called something like Ebola or AIDS or some other dread disease, tuberculosis, and so on. It's not anything like that, and yet, People are creating laws around it. That is their law, the law of the jungle. They're just knee-jerk reaction. This is what we're going to do. And if you don't do it, we'll punish you. Well, that's somebody creating law on the fly as they go. That's lawlessness. It's not according to any legislative body that we elected that said this is what we're going to do. They just declared it. Boom. It's done. I want to point out just one last thing to close us out. Nana's going to show you a document that's posted on the Department of Justice's website. And this document was uh, written for a court. Um, it's called A Statement of Interest. There was a lawsuit uh, lodged by Temple Baptist Church against the city of Greenville, South Carolina. The case was detailed. I won't go into it because the legal perspective of it doesn't matter. But suffice it to say that the Temple Baptist Church was taken after the city of Greenville for having violated its constitutional rights with the pandemic proclamations. They said, this outside the law, what you're doing is not legal, and you're not allowed to do it. <clears throat> well, the Department of Justice weighed in on this. They they created a statement of interest in support of the plaintiffs. That would be Temple Baptist Church. And they submitted this document to the court. That was the United States District Court, by the way, for the Northern District of Mississippi. They submitted this brief to the court. That's a legal procedure. They're, they're actually allowed to do that. It's a good thing. And I'm going to scroll down and show you what they say, what the Department of Justice said in this letter. And here's what they have said. There is no pandemic exception, 
however, to the fundamental liberties the Constitution safeguards. Indeed, individual rights secured by the Constitution do not disappear during a public health crisis. And it goes on and says, these individual rights, including the protections in the Bill of Rights, that's the First Amendment, Second Amendment, so on, made applicable to the states through the 14th Amendment, are always in force and restrain the government action. This is the spirit and nature of a true legal system like what America used to have. The Department of Justice is reaffirming this right now, that yes, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, etc., are there to restrain government action. But has it restrained government action? No, it has not. That's one reason that they're writing this brief. And they go on to talk about, well, the government does have some opportunity during a health crisis to do this, that, and another, but not if it's a bogus health crisis in the first place. This is the problem. If the science isn't there, and it turns out that it basically was just kind of a made-up panic, then all of these actions across our country will be declared unconstitutional, illegal, and lawless. However, will all these people ever be held accountable for their actions? No, they won't. They will, pers they will persist in their lawless behavior because of simply overrunning, it will overrun the court system, trying to determine what was constitutional or wasn't. But a little bit further down, it says, nevertheless, the Supreme Court has instructed courts to intervene. This is the clause here. If a statute purporting to have been enacted to protect the public health, the public morals, or the public safety has no real or substantial relation to those objects or is beyond all question a plain palpable invasion of rights secured by the fundamental law. So the idea here, the concept is, if they are out of bounds, the court must consider this brief. I read this and I'm thinking to myself, what happened to America? What happened to people in America giving some type of reverence to the Constitution and the law in America? They have moved outside the box, outside the barrier. They're living in a country that has real estate. Maybe they own a house or rent an apartment. It doesn't matter. Maybe they live in a tent and they're homeless. Those people that live here in America, that call themselves Americans, who do not believe or have any regard for the law or for Constitution, they're really not living in America. They're really not, because they have decided that they're not going to be held accountable to the compact that American citizens have as a people and to the government surrounded by the Constitution and by the rule of law. It's not, I don't want that. I'm living outside of that. You see, anybody that comes to that conclusion, I don't care who you are, top to bottom, anybody that comes to that conclusion 
is just as lawless as the people who took over and created the autonomous zone in Seattle, Washington. That's Chaz, Chop, Chew, whatever it's gonna be called. You see, they're just as lawless. They're standing on American soil, but up here, the horses left the barn a long time ago. This is lawlessness. That's really kind of all I have to say about it. This has been on my mind for some time now. What does this mean? America is becoming a lawless nation. How can we get it back? I don't have all the answers right now. It seems to be a problem that's so huge that it just defies solution. Nevertheless, we have to at least recognize the problem and try to find some answer. If you have some answers, you're welcome to send them on to me. I don't know who else sent them on to your, you know, elected representatives and stuff. You know, every time we send somebody new to Washington or to our own state houses and stuff, or to the governorship, you have to wonder. They may be really good guys going in. They may be real constitutional stalwarts. They may be really in favor of the rule of law in America. You know, the statue with the balances on it that everybody gets treated equally. But when they get into office, when they get into the political body or the body politic, as it's called, and all of a sudden they're surrounded by lawlessness, even though it pretends to be the law, when they're surrounded by lawlessness, this mental anarchy starts where all of a sudden it's so easy for them to get compromised and caught up in that system that is a lawless system. We have a lot to restore in America for sure. I think our law is one of them. We need to resist the concept of lawlessness and call it what it is, lawless, and it's wrong, and it needs to stop if we want to have a country. Now, maybe we'll all decide, Matt, don't want a country anymore. Don't want any silly old constitution. Don't want none of this stuff. Maybe you just want to go back and live like the old Wild West. You remember the Wild West? All the cowboy movies and stuff talked about it. Why there would be a town where the criminals are running the town, the outlaws, and there's chaos, and the farmers are getting shot by the ranchers and by the, you know, the bad guys, and, and a new sheriff comes to town. Sheriff's going to come to town and restore law and order to that outpost in the Wild West. And there were some places that were pretty wild. And the law did come. And the law calmed the illegal activity down, eliminated in some cases, and life got very, very good for the people in those towns. And those towns turned into states, and for a time... Life was good as long as everybody understood the law and followed the law and didn't break the law wantonly and didn't do things that just desecrated the law. Life was good. Life could be good in America again, but not without a restoration of the law. And that starts up here in the mind and in the heart as well. I'm Patrick Wood for Technocracy News and Trends. I thank you for listening today. 
Listen, if you're on YouTube, please do me a favor and give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. That's a good thing. Let other people know that uh, there's something of value here. And if you uh, like the audio version only of this podcast, you can find it at technocracy.studio. That's my Podbean account where I simply take the audio off this and put it over there. And if you haven't yet joined the mailing list, you can do that on technocracy.news. If you have a mind to leave a tip or to leave some financial support, you can do that at our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash technocracy. And any amount of uh, some type of a monthly contribution is very encouraging to me. It also helps us pay the bills. We have no advertising whatsoever on technocracy.news. That is on purpose. That's my choice. I don't like pop-up ads, slide-in ads, invisible ads that just jump at you with whatever. I don't like all that stuff. I just don't want it. I want to give you the content. I want you to read the content on technocracy.news so we don't have any ads. We get no money from, no revenue whatsoever from ads. So if you want to support the work here, Technocracy News and Trends, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash technocracy and uh, leave a couple of bucks, bucks a month support for us. It just sends a message too. Yep, there's people out there around America, around the world, that see what we're saying here. The clear and present danger to the world right now is not socialism, communism, or Marxism, or fascism. It is technocracy. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.